This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Jen from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Kayla Benny from I don't even know where I am. And you are listening to the monthly breeding and sales episode on Horses in the Morning of the Horse Radio Network for May 27th, episode 2691. This episode is brought to you by Supreme Top Form. Good morning, Horse World. Hey, you made it to the fourth Thursday of the month on Horses in the Morning. That means it's time to talk sales and breeding. Uh, uh, of horses, that is. Oh, man. So I really actually am not sure where I am. <laughs> I, I know I, I know I'm home. I do, I do know that. And I think home is Chestertown, but I'm not 100% sure because I feel like I'm on the road more than I'm actually at home these days. So we just got back from New Jersey. We went to Princeton show jumping and um, I'm sorry to all the listeners in Jersey, but uh, kind of like a seven out of 10, don't recommend. <laughs> <laughs> now, were there specific things that went you that made you uh, give it less than four stars? Um, the roads confuse me with all these all turns. Well, that's just so all have- New Jersey. New Jersey, the, I'm sorry. It's just a navigation it's- nightmare. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I have to go right to go left. Yes. Can't. Can't I just go left? Nope. <laughs> uh, and then when I was doing the all turns, some people got frustrated with me being in a horse trailer. So they would try to go into the yield to go right, but then turn left and cut me off. Oh. And um, so then I started honking at everyone and becoming angry. So when calm little me becomes angry, um, I start to not recommend things. Oh. <laughs> So, so it boils down to, it was just utterly frustrating getting there and getting out again. Yes. But the, the horse show venue itself was, was nice. Uh, the world equestrian center has ruined me a little bit for all other horse show venues. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just, let me just point my pinky up and, uh, and my nose at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) So do you, up in... Maryland, where you are, are where you are based in the yes. spring, summer, and autumn months, are there favorite competition venues that you love to go to? Well, to be fair, um, I'm show jumping a lot more than I'm eventing, and I could tell you my favorite events, um, like Plantation and Fairhill, um, which are more local events. But since I'm show jumping, I'm kind of testing the waters this year. Haven't gotten favorites um, yet. I haven't gotten a favorite. Um, I do know I've been to Upperville before. I love that venue. Um, obviously, uh, the World Equestrian Center is like top, top, but that's 14 hours away from me. In Ohio, because so they that. have one in Ohio and one in Ocala. Yes. Yep. Yes. But yep. they're both a little bit of a hike. So locally, um, we have Swan Lake, which is a very, very a nice, nice spot. venue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm kind of, as I was telling people who I met this last 
two weeks in New Jersey. Um, I'm in a really good location because I can go anywhere from where I'm at in Chestertown, Mm -hmm. but I'm also very far from like, you know, it's, it's at least two and a half hours to my closest show jumping venue. So that's, that's the price you pay for lovely open countryside. And yes, yeah, it's a trade off. Yeah. So it's, it's nice, but it, I'm going to be on the road a little bit more this <laughs> this year. <laughs> well, it's going to be fun over the next couple of summer seasons to see how your how what criterion create your favorite horse show venues to that you oh got to go back to that one because everybody has different criteria. Some people, like you said, just the, the act of getting there is so frustrating. It doesn't matter how lovely the horse show itself is; it wasn't worth it. Sometimes getting there is so wonderfully easy and convenient if the horse show venue itself or the organization is a little bit less than ideal. It's like, ah, that's okay. I forgive them. It's 20 minutes down the street and it's easy to get to. So it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out over the next few seasons. Absolutely. No, I'm super excited and I've got some really good horses that I've talked about um, in previous episodes. So I've got my big horse that's almost 18 hands, uh, Doki, and then my slightly smaller at 163 <laughs> um <laughs> young horse kensington and so they're gonna go out and they get to go to try on this year they get to go to Socrates. um we're going back down to the world equestrian center in florida and uh i don't even know i can't even keep up with where i'm going after that but <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the world of show jumping i know talk I about know. talk about a nomadic lifestyle wow Definite gypsy lifestyle. We yes. Are now, gonna before, be before we get in. too much further, you need to yes. tell everybody what's coming up on the show today. Oh, absolutely. Right, right. We have a whole, a whole show lined up, yeah. don't we? Um, okay. Well, we're going to get slightly Western today, and we're going to chat quarter horses and Western dressage and reining with head trainer of Keystone Training based in, out of Micanopy, Florida. Her name is Rachel Ori. She's a lovely lady. I actually met her a couple years ago when I was based out of the farm that she's at in Micanopy, uh, Mardanza, which is also the place that uh, eventer Sarah Cosimplick Murphy and her husband, who show jumps, Brian Murphy, are also based out of there. And then we're you and I are going to chat some sale-based websites, their pricing, what to expect on first impressions of the sites, and we're going to dissect some sale lingo um for the listeners and how to read between the lines oh that's always fun (laughs) (laughs) well that's awesome good stuff coming up um before we get too much further because we have a guest coming up who's going to be wonderful and fascinating and interesting uh tell us about our title sponsor for today supreme top form well supreme top form is a joint supplement which is 99.8% pure glycosamine hydrochloride and 99% pure hyaluronic acid. And hyaluronic acid works by inhibiting the formation of inflammatory products in joints, which cause pain and cartilage destruction. Glucosamine has been shown to counteract the negative effects on cartilage of steroid administration. Glucosamine also serves as a building block for new cartilage formation. Glucosamine and hyaluronic acid do not cause significant side effects that non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agents may induce. It is concentrated and easy to feed 
and cost-effective. It is independently lab-tested for purity, so you know what you get is what is on the label. They have both dog and horse supplements, which is great for any horse person because you don't see many horse people without a dog. Visit panamvetcorp.com for more information. And Glenn let slip that you, you take a similar supplement that's based for humans. I do. And you, you notice a really good uh, results from that? Yes, I have taken it for years, and I find it, it helps a lot with the various and sundry bumps, bruises, and, and old injuries that I have, yep. and it definitely makes a significant difference, yeah. Well, and the body actually naturally produces hyaluronic acid. Um, that's what our joints produce to make the lubrication, so as you get older the joints stop producing quite as much hyaluronic acid. So it's, it's nice that you can, you know, put that back in to help, you know, everything regenerate. Um, well, it, it makes sense. We work just as hard as our horses do. Yes. And, and it makes horse- sense that we should have appropriate support for our joints, just like our horses do. Yep. Give it a go. Yeah, absolutely. So that's panamvetcorp.com. And we have on the line now, we have Rachel Ori of Micanope, Florida, of Keystone Training. We're going to chat with her a little bit about some quarter horses, western dressage, reining, and overall what it takes to make a well-rounded horse. Welcome, Rachel. Hi, Kayla. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you so much for coming on. And I was telling the listeners earlier that we met a couple years ago when I was at Mardanza. Um, and you were, I think, just starting your Western dressage career, correct? Yeah, that, that was pretty early on. Uh, things were just getting started here in Florida for us. Um, and yeah, it's it's been uh, an interesting few years, to say the least. Well, it looks like it's really blossomed. So tell me a little bit about Keystone. What's, what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) So um, Keystone is actually uh, my own personal business that um, since moving to Florida, I've kind of made the transition from being an assistant trainer, working under Tom Pearson, more in the reining horse industry uh, to being more out on my own now. And, um, branching out, not just to, to, through the reining, but also uh, through the Western dressage, working equitation, and the ranch riding as well. So it's a little more broad spectrum. How exciting. Okay, so I will, full disclosure, I do not know a lot about Western. <laughs> so you are going to have to lead this just a little bit. Um, sure. But tell me, so you do a lot of training, you do a little bit in sales. Um, yeah. And yeah. So if I was a buyer and I was looking for a Western dressage horse, what am I looking for? So a lot of the horses that come through our program have reigning bloodlines because that is, is really very much where we started out and um, the, the roots of our program. Um, but not every horse is intended to, to be an upper level reigning horse. And so um, 
a lot of my program has been tailored to, okay, well, if you're not going to be an upper level reigning horse, then where do you fit? You know, and a lot of these, um, you know, bigger bodied, nice moving quarter horses just transition so well into the Western dressage. And um, I've got a couple of horses right now, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old that um, are reigning bred and they have just made that transition so nicely um, into Western dressage. And, you know, although they, they may not have the big movement that the warm bloods do, um, it's, it's wonderful that now we have this option for Western horses to be able to, uh, you know, practice the same gymnastics that are involved with, um, you know, getting, getting a Western dressage horse to the show ring. It's, it's just a very healthy training program and, whether or not my horse is going to actually be shown in Western dressage, I still use a lot of the same gymnastic type techniques that I've learned through just through being involved with, with the training of these horses. It's, it's a wonderful program. And so with the Western dressage, do you think that there's uh, a bigger market as, as far as sale sales go or is there a bigger market just in in the training aspect of of the dressage portion? I think sales is a big part of it right now. Um, there's not a lot of horses that are competing at the higher levels, uh, and it takes a it takes a certain type of horse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so more and more people are coming into this as amateurs you know, wanting horses that are already trained to a certain level that they'll be able to take and be competitive on. Um, and so, yeah, I would say in the last three or four years, that has been, that's been a big part of, of my program has been, you know, developing these young horses to the point where an amateur can get on and say, yeah, I, I can feel confident going and showing this in first level or second level. So that's been really fun. And, okay, so I know what it takes to be, you know, uh, an English dressage horse, but is it similar, like the movements are similar in the Western versus the English? Yeah, it is. It is very similar. Uh, We're we're just not talking about the same kind of suspension, you know, but we're we're still looking at uh, the same type of suppleness. You know, can you lengthen and shorten that horse's stride? Can you keep a consistent tempo? How's, how's your horse balanced? You know, we're trying to load up the horse on the hind end and get him to, to carry more weight back there. And uh, so very, very similar in a lot of ways. And with, with your, your dressage horses and you have reining horses, do they ever cross-compete? That is a really good question. <laughs> so my, my seven-year-old mare, Veronica, uh, she was actually started out to be a reigning horse and, um, you know, was having struggling with uh, galloping out on a loose rein and then being able to slow down. She would fall out of lead behind. And so I thought, you know, she needs this dressage training to strengthen her canter. And we got into it and I was like, what? wow, like she is, 
she's got some really good movement in here. So I actually changed roles with her in about her three-year-old year and uh, went to Western dressage training primarily with her. Not to say that's all we do. I love cross training. So, um, you know, I may flip back and forth between that and some of the reining and, you know, schooling cross rails or cavalettis or what have you. So there's, there's a lot that goes on besides just focusing on the, on the one discipline. Um, but this past year in January, um, I actually, in the same weekend, we were at a show in Tampa and they had both Western dressage and reining. And I thought, you know what, she's feeling so solid that I'm just going to go ahead and, and do both. And she ended up winning both classes in the same weekend, no problem. So that that's a testament to you, you can do both. I think it's just a matter of really having clear in your mind the differences between the two. And then if it's clear in your mind, it can be clear to the horse as well. So it's possible. I'd say that's a really rare case, but um, it was sure fun to test that out and see that's it That's really cool. That's really, really yeah. cool. Well, I know before they did the, the Western dressage um, and before that kind of became its own sport, um, when I would talk to, to people and I know like Anki um, over in Europe, she's a Grand Prix dressage rider, but she actually does reining as well. And yeah. she... Um, she was saying that it's it's kind of reining is the Western version of dressage before Western dressage became became a sport. And um, they have to be so fine tuned and really sensitive to your aids. And and they do similar movements. They do it differently, but yet it's very similar. Um, the, the, the whole reining like sliding stop thing is, is definitely not something you're going to see in, in a dressage test or you shouldn't right. see <laughs> Right? But how that's, that's really cool that your horses can kind of, you know, go between the two and, you know, so what kind of training do you do to get horses ready for a potential buyer or, you know, to be a little bit more amateur friendly? Um, so yeah, as I said before, I love the cross training. I love to get them out. You know, we've got almost 600 acres here to get the horses out and get them, you know, around and exposed to riding in wide open spaces. I think every horse needs that, a lot of that, to, to become fully broke. Um, and so, you know, just exposing them to things like working over Cavaletti, you're, you're going to have a lot of steering things that show up you know, and, and then it just, it gives you a new place to look for. Uh, so I'm, I'm constantly looking for where are those resistances in the horse's body? Um, and what, what can I do to help them become, you know, m more well-rounded, better athletes. And, um, you know, I just feel that the more that I have expanded and not just specialized in any one area, the, the more I'm able to but, you know, just better handle all the different types of horses that, that come my way. Um, I really, I feel blessed to have had all these different experiences to draw from as far as, you know, handling the individual horse. Um, and does that, does that answer? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Absolutely. No, I mean, that's, I mean, it's very similar to what I do with the jumping and, you know, we do do flat work. We emphasize flat work, lateral work. Um, and I think just being a good horseman, you know, in either Western or English disciplines, I think, you know, moving the horse off your aids, going forward, coming back, taking them out, hacking, working them in the ring, you know, walking down the road, just seeing, you know, traffic and, and pedestrians and things like that is all important for any discipline. So, you know, and just, it's like us walking down the road. We sometimes need to just stop and smell the roses and just check out for a minute and not work, 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 work all the time. So I think it's just as important. Keep, keep things fresh for them for sure. Absolutely. And well, and you guys have amazing hacking at, at Mardanza yeah. with, and you yeah, have that amazing very, hill. Very yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one hill in all of the Ocala Marion County area. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's beautiful out there. And, um, so, you know, what are the most common ages that you're training selling? Um, does it vary? Good question. So we normally start the quarter horses somewhere in their two-year-old year, depending on how they're developing. Um, some some underdeveloped, we may give them a little more time to, to grow up before we get going. Um, and so then it usually takes me a couple of years to to really get the amount of training on them before I would ever present them as for sale to an amateur. So, you know, during that time, I'm doing all these things that we're talking about. I'm, you know, we're practicing in the arena. We're going out hacking. Uh, at some point, I'm going to trailer that horse to another location, maybe not a horse show for the first time, but at least get them out away from home, you know, go through the whole experience of loading and unloading and standing tied to the trailer. Um, and then, you know, at some point before I, I put a horse for sale, I'm, I'm going to want to show it a few times. And, and make sure, kind of check my work, make sure that what I think is there at home is actually there. And so it's a test to, um, you know, run that horse through a couple of events somewhere and, and actually get a good score and a good mark. So you have something to show that potential buyer that, yes, this horse is going to be able to do what, what you're looking for. And yeah. so, you know, some some amateurs are looking for horses with, more show experience. Um, but some of them want a horse that is, you know, well started and brought along to a certain level that then they can take and, um, you know, work with a trainer of their choice and, you know, pro- progress the horse from that point. And so I think a majority of the, the people that come to me looking for horses have, have somebody like that, that they're going to be working with. And so, um, it's been, um, I've been fortunate to have my horses be well-placed in that regard. I think gone, gone to good homes with supportive professionals. Yeah. And do you, you predominantly sell to amateurs or sometimes will a professional call you and ask you, Hey, what do you have? I'm, I'm in the market or do they just, do all professionals kind of in your, your field tend to start their own? 
Uh, it, the majority is amateurs. Yeah, I, I think you're you're absolutely right. A majority of the professionals would tend to start their own. They, they would have their own program and, you know, have their own set of, their own checklist, I guess, mm-hmm. as to what they would expect. And so, you know, I think um, there's there's not a lot of trainers doing what I'm doing as far as being both in the reigning and the Western dressage world and how how that go, how that works both ways. So, yeah, I'm not sure if a pure reigning trainer would would even like the way that I trained my right. my own horse. You know, so it works for me. It may not work for the next professional. Right, they may have their own techniques. Right, and. So do you, when you do have a sale horse, um, do you list the horses on your website or do you list them on someone else's website or is it more word of mouth? How do you word of mouth? Word of mouth is a big part of it. Um, I do like to list horses on our Facebook page. uh, And that gets out to a lot of the folks that have ridden with us, spent time with us, come down and spent, a week taking lessons in the winter and um, uh, that that's kind of the sounding board to get the word out there. And then usually um, people will share that with their friends. And then, so it may not be directly somebody that I know, but it's usually a friend of a friend that's looking, you know, so it's, it's nice to have that kind of a network um, to, to place these horses. And that speaks volumes for your program. Then, if if it's word of mouth and people recommending you, that means that you have a solid foundation, and that people want to come back, especially if they're spending time and they see how everything unfolds, and they're like, "This horse has a very solid foundation. You're going to want this horse." So that's kudos to you because that's amazing. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I mean, we're we're proud of the horses that we put out there, and we certainly wouldn't put anything out there that we didn't think was going to be suitable for someone. And so it, it is just so fun to see where these horses end up and what they end up doing. And, uh, it's just, that's really what, what I'm in it for to see, see these people take the horses and just have so much fun and be so successful with them. It's really fun to, to keep up with their progress as they go along. Absolutely. And, so I was not to be weird, but I was stalking you on, on your website and, and your <laughs> Facebook page, you know, doing a little research and, yeah. um, and I noticed that one of your testimonials was from an, uh, an adult amateur lady and she was in an English saddle. So it's nice that your, your horses can just transfer over. Cause she, it looked like she was just doing some, some English dressage, um, and, and everything. Am I correct in my assumption? I mean, there's a picture and, and everything. Yeah, so you yeah. have a couple so clients she, that also. She bought a quarter horse from us and in the AQHA, uh, you can also show in the regular dressage. And that is kind of the discipline that she grew up with. And so rather than switching all of her tack to Western, <laughs> she just stuck with the dressage. Yep. And the horse is doing great with it. She was just out showing him this past weekend and ended up second in both of her classes and was thrilled with, with her scores and her progress. So that's awesome. Well, yeah. and I mean, I, good training is good training. It really doesn't matter the discipline. So that's, that's really cool. And if people want to look you guys up, um, where can they find you? What's your website, your 
Facebook, plug yourself. Yeah. So my, my website is keystonetraining.org. And I do have a business Facebook page. It's Keystone Training. And you can find me there. Awesome. Well, I look forward to, I'm, I'm probably going to stalk you a little bit. So don't, don't feel weird when I <laughs> pop in and I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, but that's, it's just very interesting to me. And uh, it's something that I don't know a ton about, but it looks extremely exciting. And I look forward to watching your guys' progress. Thank you so much for coming on the show. So a little birdie tells me that somebody asked quite some time ago, how to sell your horse online if you don't have a trainer or a professional in your life to help you do that. Where do you go? Obviously, it's going to have to be online because that's the way the world exists right now. And you've finally gotten around to doing some research <laughs> and you've got 135 pages of research to uh, tell us about. I was going to say, you would be very proud of me. It's color-coded. I, I did my research and uh, it took me all day. We're not going to go into it, but I... Um, want to start off with it's a great question it's a very common question um and let's just jump right into it so we have we're going to start with the english websites because there's different english and western oh really um yes there's a couple that that cross um and we'll get to those but let's start english so we've got proequest.com um which is more towards the hunters, the jumpers, equitation horses, and they actually also have job listings. So if you're ever looking for an equine-based job, they list those as well. Um, we're looking into a little bit more pricey of a listing. So if we want to get into prices, if you're going on there and you have a hunter that you're trying to sell, you're looking at $49 a year to list just one horse. Whoa, uh, whoa, yeah. wait a minute. $49 <laughs> for a year? Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. <laughs> I used to spend that much on one classified ad in a horse magazine. Yep. For one month. No. And so it's 49 for the year to list just the one horse, or you can pay $99 for the year and you list unlimited amounts of horses. Um, it goes across to... You know, they, they have their website, they have Facebook, they have Instagram, they have, uh, I think they even have a Twitter, um, and they put all the links out and they have their highlighted horses and this and that. I did think that it was really interesting that they also have, you can shop by barn. So if there's a certain barn that you want to look at, oh, you just click them and then all the horses are listed. Hmm. So it's like another website off of a website. So, you know, it, it it was actually quite interesting. It's really well formatted. Um, all the video links are right there. Um, even if you click on a horse, it shows you at the bottom what other horses the, the person has listed uh, or other horses in that area. So uh, very nice website. Highly recommend if you're in the hunter jumper. Um, these horses are also listed at a, a higher figure of, you know, like we're talking five to six figure, uh, price ranges. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to find your, your 5,000 and below okay. on, on that website. And the same for big Eck, which is eq.com, uh, which is more hunter jumper and equitation based again. And 
that's $79 a listing for only six months, or that's your basic package, or your premium package is $109 for nine months, which comes with an auto refresh. You can list two disciplines that your horse is good at, and you're listed on the homepage as a featured horse. So um, again, those are higher priced horses, uh, which, but you're, you're paying a higher premium, Yeah. which, you know, so if you have a hundred thousand dollar horse, those are your websites. <laughs> um, not, not the websites that maybe I list all the time, but you know, um, for event horses, we've got sport horse nation, which is our friends at eventing nation. And they're going to be predominantly event horses. You'll see every now and then a hunter or jumper being posted. Um, These are a little bit more affordable price ranges to list the horses at $15 for 120 days, or you can do 45 for 180 days, which also gets you, you get put at the top of the homepage um, and you're highlighted by category. So, um, a little bit more affordable, a little more bang for your buck. They also put out on Facebook and Instagram as well, um, little clickable links. And then we get into, I had a hard time finding dressage-based websites. So I started typing in dressage horses for sale. Mm-hmm. And um, you get websites like, warmbloodsales.com which again is a little bit more just all warm blood so hunter jumper eventing they had driving which i thought was an interesting uh category which you don't see a ton of websites offering driving horses so then that got me thinking how do driving people buy horses and so now for now driving people there's only 25 (laughs) <laughs> well, that's like, I was like, now we have to have a driving person on to talk about sales because yeah. now I'm interested. Um, and we've got dressagestar.com. Um, but those are both a little bit more basic of sites. Um, the price ranges are about the same as, as what you've seen at the ones listed above. Then we've got our, our tried and true, my favorite dream horse, which, um, when I was a little kid, I was a young, young girl. I used to stalk horses and, uh, as my before, husband before is mouthing right there now, was Facebook or even Craigslist, yes. there was dream horse. Yes. Yes. As my husband's mouthing right now, back, back in the day, <laughs> rude. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's a little bit more, um, they have not updated their, their format, but it's very basic and very easy to find horses you it's extremely easy and they actually um what they have updated and i noticed is they you can put in search of ads now um on on the website and then people can answer your in search of ads and they also have a a missing horse category really so if you're missing or stolen horses you can actually post there as well which i thought was actually kind of cool and you don't see that very often I wonder um, how many people who find a horse go there. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even think if I, my horse was stolen to go, I'm going to go find a website and start. I mean, I would probably use Facebook, but again, 
Facebook gets a little weird when you're posting about animals and sale or well, this yeah, and yeah that. Facebook so is then just you get weird. Yeah, yeah. Weird at that. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so, then, so Dream Horse, tried and true, standard, yes. reasonably priced, very reasonably priced. Yeah. They've got um, you can do. It's a little bit more of an a la carte menu. So you've got your your text ad, which is free. And then your if you add a photo, it's $20 for 90 days. You can add a video link for $10. You can put it down for 90 more days for only $10. You can buy a gallery, which is six photos for 40 And then if you want to spotlight your ad, it's $100, which is a free video link and six photos. So, so it's, it's a little more affordable. Um, again, everything's right there. The search engine's really easy to use and posting is actually really easy. Lots of hoops that you don't have to jump through like the other. Yeah. I I think that's the, the the most appealing part about dream horses. It's just basic. Just get it. You don't want to stress out about stuff, nothing complicated. And it does get a lot of traffic. So people are going to see it. And it has good SEO when somebody puts any any word that's associated like quarter horse for sale, horse for sale, yep. pony for sale. It has really good SEO, so it, it tends to show up at the top when somebody's well, searching generically. When I was Googling generically, Dream Horse kept consens- consistently coming up. Yeah, that all makes the keywords a difference. And, yeah. yeah. Um, when I started looking a little bit more for Western horses, ranch horses, reining horses... Uh, trail horses, things like that. We got a little bit more into like the equinenow.com or horseclicks.com, which has more affordable priced horses. The the price range is a lot lower. Um, You can find donkeys, mules, Western and English uh, disciplines. The ads are free to $25. but it it's a little bit more like an equine Craigslist. Uh, a lot of the ads that I looked at, it was like horse going to auction must contact auction only. Um, so it was kind of confusing because it's like, why would you post? I mean, I guess they're promoting the auction a little bit and less the... Less the horse and more the yeah. Yes. It's like come to our auction. You can see things yeah. like this. Yeah, like this. Yeah, like and and dangle out the yes. horse a little bit. And uh, <laughs> but it was like not respond. Must contact auction. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and then that gave me a little bit of a dodgy feeling of also, you know, it's a little bit more like the Jamie stories of going to the someone's backyard and they're like, "Yep, horse, get on, <laughs> kick them." And you're like, <laughs> and if, uh, you're, so if you're from the South, please send your hate mail too. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. Um, no, but it just, the, it, it was a little more generic and the, it, it gave me a little bit more of a Craigslist feel, which yeah. is where everyone finds their bad ads to submit on Fridays. So and I will, uh, I will, I will uh, respectfully submit both Scooter and Nigel <laughs> are from Craigslist. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So, and, um, but yeah, I mean, there's tons of websites, but those are the ones that I kind of ran across that were a little more generic, a little more 
user friendly. So mm-hmm. if you're trying to list a horse, those are are some sites. Or if you're sh- horse shopping, you know, go look at those. And um, I did when I typed in Western horse for sale, which is very generic. Um, I did come across a website that was kind of interesting called horseofmydreams.com, which is actually a sale barn. So it's not a a sale website per se, but I started perusing their website. They have some English pleasure horses and Western horses. And I thought it was really interesting. Um, At the top of their page, they said 30 day guarantee and shipping included. And I thought that was, um, it's, it's an unusual business model in the horse industry. Yeah, but I actually, it was, it sparked interest and I was like, wow, if you can stand behind your horses that much, but also, are you sure shipping's included? Like, you know, what if the horse has to go to Maine or Canada? Well, see, there, there are probably details that were not on the homepage. I would suggest calling those people directly on the telephone. (laughs) (laughs) Tread carefully. (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and as you should when purchasing any horse from anybody. And that's another yeah. point is when, if you're the buyer and you're buying online, don't let a splashy, professionally designed screenshot fool you. Yes. You know, you can make, you can have a lovely horse that's just perfect for you on Craigslist with a picture that shows you him standing in profile in the sunset with his head inside of a round bale, <laughs> just as much as you can have the perfect horse on proequest.com. It comes in both ways, e- regardless buyer beware and seller beware. You got to, you have to put your best foot forward, but don't count on just that. You can't create a really amazing ad and then not have it backed up with, okay, you advertise the horse as amateur friendly, but, oh, I'm sorry, he tends to buck when he switches leads. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to be successful regardless of what website you use. Well, and that kind of leads into our our sale lingo a little bit. (gasps) And um, It does. Look at you with your segues. It's like you're a professional podcaster. Look at me go. Um, <laughs> but, uh, well, you were saying amateur friendly. And so I I made a little bit of a list. And I will say that I, I pulled it from uh, a paper that was written by someone at Michigan State University, Taylor uh, Fabus. I'm going to say her last name. Sorry, 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 Taylor. Thank you for the list. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I built on the list a little bit. I just, I, I took what she was saying. But you know, there is ways to interpret ads and, you know, what is beginner friendly versus amateur friendly versus professional needed. Um, and so do you want to go over those real quick? Yes, let's do this. This is okay. (laughs) So we have, let's start with beginner friendly. So if a horse is described as beginner friendly, um, you know, it generally means that it's a docile, quiet, common nature. It should be expected to be safe around anyone. You know, your your grandma, your grandpa can walk up to it that knows nothing, is wearing flip-flops, which is highly not recommended in a barn. But the horse is kind of just going to stand calmly and mm-hmm. and, you know, eat the cookie very nicely, even in they're shoving their fingers in his mouth. And, uh... <laughs> You know, yeah. the horse could be older, it could be young, but very docile in nature. Uh, it's forgiving. You know, it doesn't spook very easily. 
I mean, a horse is a horse. And if a bear runs at it, I expect it to run away. But, you know, when the plastic black, uh, the plastic bag flaps, it might just cock an ear and go, huh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I always compare what I call a beginner friendly horse to when computers were young back in the 80s. If you pressed the wrong button on a computer, you were likely to launch a nuclear weapon accidentally <laughs> at the worst. And, yeah. and easily you could blow the whole thing up by the pressing of one button. Versus now, you can literally do everything and not mess up a computer. See, today's computers are beginner friendly. Yes. Computers in the 80s were not. Automobiles in the 20s were not beginner friendly. If you bumped into something, the whole thing would crush and kill you. Yes. Cars today are beginner <laughs> friendly. It, it, I think forgiving of the of the human being, whenever something is going wrong, their default behaviors are benign. Yes. Yes. I like that. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the next level up. Okay. After the beginner friendly up. comes Amy friendly. What the heck's that? Yes. What's an Amy anyway? Well, well, what's your interpretation of an AMI? Uh, well, <laughs> you, Seth, we're not sure what amateur is nowadays. <laughs> Any, I know anyone, a lot of professionals who would Anyone who admits publicly uh, in conversations with friends or on social media that they ride and show horses is, is apparently a professional now. So, <laughs> um. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, well, I mean, I would say an AMI... An Amy is a little bit above a beginner, and See, and sometimes hard, all the, the way. Part is, well, is exactly. Amy is so is that's that term defines your status in what you do for a living, not your skill set. Because yeah. you can have amateur riders who ride just as well as professionals, but they don't well, earn their living at it. Exactly, and I know a couple amateurs. You know, there's there's not to call people out, but there's one that ran around, uh, Kentucky at five star and, and he's not an amateur, you know, or he's not a professional. He is an amateur. Um, and I know some people that ride Grand Prix and they're amateurs, um, you know, dressage and show jumping and, you know, all the way down to, you know, people that compete intro mm-hmm. in dressage or eventing or anything. So that, that's such a wide range, but I would interpret an amateur friendly horse is something, you know, maybe it's a little bit more like a sport horse. It's, it's willing to compete. Um, but maybe it doesn't need to be ridden six to seven days a week. It can go and work around a work schedule a little bit more. Um, it's maybe a little bit more athletic, but yet it can still take a joke. <laughs> um, you know, like a sense of humor. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's over there telling dad jokes with the rest of them. You know, you just, you, you never know. But I, I think that, I mean, that's my interpretation at least, you know, when I ride an ad, cause I sell predominantly young horses. If I say it's amateur friendly, it's something that like, you know, I can miss at a jump and it goes, meh. All right. You know, mm-hmm. that, that kind of, stunk but maybe next time you'll get you'll do better you know (laughs) and uh but it keeps going and uh i can walk it around on the buckle go out hacking you know and and not ride it for three days and get on and feel safe Mm -hmm. and uh but it's not necessarily a made horse like a beginner friendly horse would be yeah right yeah cool um 
So, and then we've got if if dun, an ad dun, says dun, uh, we need dramatic music here. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. If an ad says experience rider needed. <laughs> <laughs> And as Taylor put it in her little list that she did, unlike the previously described horse, when a scale a sale ad specifically says that the horse requires an experienced rider, it means the horse is unlikely to be a good fit for a new horse owner or novice rider. And I thought that was very, you know, cut dry, straight to the point. Um, you know, the term seems straightforward. But um, I'll put that sometimes and people are like, so I've been riding for a year. That is not experienced, you know, rider for what I try to like if the horse needs the horse needs seven days a week. It needs tactful riding. Like you said, it's it's you push the wrong button and you are going to let an atomic bomb off somewhere. Yes, I think that (laughs) I think that that's the accurate term there. When you if you push the wrong button bad things are very likely to happen. Yeah. And if you push the button wrong buttons often enough, bad things are going to continue to happen and get worse. Yes. Yeah. They're at that those are horses that are at that stage in their training that thing you can make it go badly. Or some horses are like that their entire lives. They just that's their mindset. You can foul them up and give them PTSD in a big, big way. I think the the horse that's that's labeled experienced rider needed might be the one that ends up in the wrong hands most often because I think many of us overestimate what we are able to put into our horses as far as both time and training skills. And, and and just effort, you know, it, we think like, and I've done it too. Like, I'm like, okay, I can, I can work with this horse. I will do this, this, and this. And like, even as a professional, I'm like, this is exhausting. Mm-hmm. And sometimes some horses, it's just like the program doesn't fit. The, the riding style doesn't fit. Um, so many ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. So you just have to be. When it says that, you know, you walk in eyes wide open and and you have to feel very confident in yourself. Yeah. And I think uh, I think the, the seller of the experienced rider needed, that seller needs to be brutally honest with anybody who comes to look at that horse and say, you know, I'm sorry, but you're not a good fit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Now. This is interesting. Experienced rider needed versus project horse. They're different. Mm. Yeah. I mean, a project horse to me is, it's almost, okay, so we've got project horse, we've got green horse, and we've got prospect um, are all terms that are used for maybe a horse that has very little formal training. Um, You know, a project or a prospect, you know, is something that's like a blank slate. Um, project in general is probably going to be a little bit of a horse with a lower price point. Might now, have when training I, when issues. I, when I read project horse, I immediately go to, okay, this is a project horse because it shows promise and could be a horse that could be flipped. In other words, the horse needs more. He's a project but he shows promise so that 
when that project is complete, he's going to be something much better versus from my point of view, at least green horse to me, just says he just doesn't know anything. He, he doesn't know nothing. <laughs> Irregardless of his potential. Every yeah. horse is green at some point. Yeah. And I, and I don't think all horses go through a project horse phase. That's an interesting pro- yeah. uh, perspective. The, well, I mean, there are some horses that maybe are know a little bit more. They're not green per se, but they are still a project. They're still building blocks that need to be put underneath them and established. Yes. Um, so, so he's the one that's in between green and made. He's somewhere in the middle, yes. which is where most horses spend most of their lives. <laughs> Always <laughs> just all the time. Well, I mean, it's like a prospect you know, you, you list, oh, it's an upper level event prospect. That means that it shows all the qualities to mm-hmm. be that. But again, maybe it's too young to know, um, or the training is lacking a little bit and you have to put the the finishing touches on. Um, and, but with those horses, they may never actually fully reach the potential that is there because maybe mentally they don't want to, um, you find out that their ability actually does stop at a certain point. Uh, there, you know, the heart wants to do something different than what it, you're like, Oh, this horse is going to be an event horse. No, actually it doesn't like ditches and water. So mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe it doesn't want to event. Mm-hmm. Maybe it wants to go be a show jumper or a straight dressage horse or, you know, maybe he wants to move cows. Never know. Yeah. You never know. And, um, you know, then there's terms like in your pocket, which to so me, yeah. What does in your pocket mean to you? Cause I'm, I know what, it, <laughs> what I envision when I hear in your pocket. Well, initially I envision a horse nuzzling my pockets and being quite rude about wanting treats. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, I think most people, when they say in your pocket, it means cuddly, um, friendly, likes people, um, wants attention. You know, as a people pleaser, people pleaser. is yeah. my interpretation. Yeah, I, I get that same initial reaction. like, oh, my gosh, he's the one that's stepping on your toes when you're trying to clean yeah. the paddock. Yeah. You're like, get <laughs> out. Go away. Go find something to do. Yeah, exactly. Go um, friends. The, oh, now, now it's time for acronyms. Oh, boy. Okay, so we have UTD. It's not what means, you think it is. <laughs> it's not UTI. It's UTD, which is up to date. So if it says UTD, shots, Coggins, everything like that just means that people are actually doing general horse care and taking care of the horses, um, which is nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you've got PPE, which is pre-purchase exam. So, you know, that term could be used um, for, you know, willing to like PPEs uh, encouraged um, see Pete, when I see PPP, PPE encouraged, I think, oh, there's something wrong with that horse and they want somebody else to pay for what finding it out. Oh no. <laughs> Cause they know yeah. you're not going to buy it once you find out, but then they'll know <laughs> and they didn't have to pay for it. They're like, great. <laughs> um, and, um, and if anybody's wondering what a pre-purchase exam is, uh, go back and listen to our beginning segments where we had a vet Mark Donaldson on and where he talked about, he went through the whole process and it's quite extensive and most of the time very expensive, but can also save you vet bills in the future. So, uh, also highly encouraged. 
Um, okay, so we've got easy versus hard keeper. And um, this can also go breed to breed a little bit as well. You know, we're not trying to be stereotypical, but a um, a quarter horse versus a warm blood versus a thoroughbred are all going to have different dietary needs. And, you know, so, but yet you're going to get that, that one thoroughbred that maybe is an easy keeper versus the one that needs three bags of grain a day. Yeah. I, th- I think when you see references like this, you usually have to look at it within the, within the framework of the breed. For example, the ad is for a seven-year-old quarter horse gelding easy keeper. Yeah. By quarter horse gelding standards, he's an easy keeper. Which means he lives on air. He lives on air. <laughs> if you say seven-year-old thoroughbred gelding easy keeper, he's probably still going to eat twice as much as that quarter horse gelding <laughs> easy keeper is going to be. So when you when you see that in an ad, be cognizant of the reference point. He's yep. an easy keeper compared to. Because I, I think that, especially if you are a little bit less experienced taking care of horses, that could be a little bit of a rude awakening. What right. you think is an easy keeper might not be what the seller thinks is an easy keeper. If this horse genuinely interests you and you go for a test ride, etc., um, ask those important questions. Okay, what does he exactly eat? What yeah. do you define as easy as keeper? Easy. Yep. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And because, again, you know, an easy keeper thoroughbred could be getting three quarts of grain. Yes. And then, you know, I have a couple true easy keepers that basically I could almost not feed grain because they literally could live on grass and air right. um, and, and still need a grazing muzzle on top of that. Yeah. Um, so it's it's all in, you know. Retrospective. Yes, those are those are relative terms open to interpretation. So, but also people need to be aware that um, that I mean that is something that you need to ask because you need to be prepared to feed the calories to the horse to maintain a a good body body condition score. So, um, and on the list, there's lame versus sound, which I mean. I don't Hello. even know that we need to, re- <laughs> to we, we need to cover that because if you don't want to buy a horse, if someone's openly saying it's lame, because I mean, lameness is a gait abnormality and okay. So that might be appropriate for a trail horse, but if you're looking for a show horse, right. you know, See, you don't need. Yeah. Lame, lame and lame. And the, is again, a word, like you said, if it's a gait abnormality and the veterinarian has, um, diagnosed this animal with this issue. Okay, he can go for trail rides as long as he wants, and he can walk all day long with you on top of him. Yep. It's never going to make it any worse, and it's never going to get any better. So let him do what he does. He moves funky. That's different than a horse to the that's in pain to the average Joe. It looks like it's doing the same thing, but right. the spend piles of money, and the veterinarian diagnoses that one and says, "Oh, that's this problem." That horse is going to keep getting worse. Do not ride it. Yeah. Right? Or it needs this, that, or the other rehabilitation. So, again, buyer beware. Ask questions. Yeah. Yep. 
Well, and then, I mean, to be fair, there's also, if you're looking at breeding prospects, um, sometimes they will say, you know, uh, breeding sound as in, you know, they've, they've ultrasounded the mare and she, you know, she has the right follicles and she produces, you know, she cycles very well. Um, it's probably going to be really easy to get her bred or versus, you know, like a stallion, you know, his, his, uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say it. his, uh, man juice, his swimmers are very good. They're very active and they're going to, uh, produce babies very quickly then. Right. Th- and then, I mean, and then on the flip side, breeding sound mare or stallion, but, if they're not sound sound, why right. aren't they sound sound? Yeah. And if, depending on why they're not sound, are they actually good breeding prospects? Okay. Stallion A, breeding sound. Okay. That means he passes all the medical tests to make children, but he's breeding sound only because he's got sickle hawks and curbs, so he's lame. Maybe he shouldn't. Maybe he's really not. Right. Sound, don't don't right? read to him. <laughs> so again, might you have to look. You have to look beyond that initial breeding yep. sound. Yep. Yeah. If All the right. horse is the only breeding sound, you need to find out why and make sure that you're not inadvertently um, continuing genetics that really didn't hold up for the purpose of being a horse that is a useful member of society. Absolutely. Um, which actually turns into um, the term maintenance required. Oh, I'm familiar with this one. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, any horse, especially if it's older, is going to need maintenance of some sort. Um, just like we need maintenance as humans sometimes. Um, you know, this is anything from medicinal, supplemental, corrective farrier work, Specialized veterinary care. Does the horse need acupuncture once a month to stay loose? Otherwise, it goes around crooked um, with one leg up in the air. Uh, or, or does it need its hocks injected? Does it need its back injected? Um, does it need supreme top form as a supplement? Um, <laughs> does it need glue on shoes like Nigel? Um, there's so many. And it's good to know that, that that kind of stuff. And if you're not familiar with what a horse you're interested in needs, let's say that he does need acupuncture about every month or two. And the owner's straight up with that. Well, you need to learn a little bit about acupuncture, whether or not an appropriate acupuncturist is available to you in the part of the country you live in. Learn about that so you know what you're getting into. Right. And how much it costs ma- right. monthly. Um, right. And if that's something that you're willing to do, because if you're not willing to do it, don't buy the horse. Don't go there. Yeah. And, uh, So, you know, there's, or, you know, for me, you know, doing injections every six months, eh, that, that kind of scares me because it's like, well, why does it need injections every six months? But then there's also horses that, that that's all they need. That's all they ever need. That's a lot less investment than, uh, vet bills in the future. So it's just weighing your costs, right? right. You know? Yeah. And there's, there's mate, there's maintenance after an issue begins and there's maintenance that is preventative. Yep. They're two different types. So again, do your homework. Yes. 
It's too, speaking, of, speaking of homework, <laughs> quirky. <laughs> quirks. Has quirks. <laughs> Has quirks. Um, which, I mean, the one thing is, is when, some, when a seller puts that on an ad, they're attempting to be transparent. Okay. They're trying to tell you something. Um, but on the flip side, I feel like every horse has a little bit of quirks. You know, they're all weird. We, we adapt to them, but you know, quirks can range from anything that like, as there's an example on this list, uh, a horse shows better in the indoor versus an outdoor. Um, or she grew in the horse's cribber, which I would say is a vice, maybe not a quirk. Um, a horse is scared. Like it doesn't want to be clipped. Um, the horse has allergies, uh, Again, I would think that would be a little bit more under maintenance required, in my opinion. But uh, there, it, quirks is open to interpretation. It yeah. bucks that when could, it lands from a fence. That could be a, a real fence, can of worms, you know? quirks. Yeah. Or it could be you harmless. Know, you know, he, right. he, he likes to eat, he, he likes to eat uh, the tops of carrots, but not the orange part. That could be a quirk. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. um, has, he has allergies and rubs his forelock out. That's a little bit different kind of a quirk. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or the horse has to eat by itself because it will take the wall down between it and another horse. Different uh, kind of a quirk. Yep. So the, again, ask questions. What, what kind of quirks, what do you do for it? And then you have to ask yourself, is my barn set up for that? Or is my yeah. program set up for that? Yeah. Am I willing to do this, this, and this for that quirk? Um, cause again, quirks, can be managed so but yeah um you know when they okay let's go to i don't know let's uh ground manners ground manners okay um good ground manners no ground manners (laughs) bad ground manners to me if a horse doesn't have good ground manners that indicates there's a hole yes in his in his early development and when you investigate that with the horse in person, you're liable to find there are a lot more holes. <laughs> Usually in the riding, you know. There's... Yeah, there are a lot more holes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, typically if ground manners are even mentioned in an ad, it is a little bit of a red flag for me. Um, because if they say, oh, good ground manners, and then they go on to list you know, things, and then it has corks under saddle. It's like, well, why does it have corks under yeah, saddle? But go. It's good on the ground. I think um, if you're, if you're looking at an advertisement for a horse in one of the Western disciplines, you are more likely to see ground manners, ground manners referenced yep. because the groundwork portion of their education is really given a lot more attention than it is in most English disciplines. That's a very fair fair point. So yeah. if I was looking at a horse that was a prospect, um, a ra- reined cow horse prospect, and they mentioned good ground manners, I would probably not look at that with the same eyes as if I was looking at a junior hunter prospect that said good ground manners. It would mean two different things to me. Okay, that's, yeah, that's a very fair uh assessment. I think that's good. Yeah. And then with that, I mean, 
Okay, so if it's written, oh, it's a 10 anything. So let's say a 10 jump, a 10 jog, a 10 lope. They're just referring to like the fact that it's on a one to tail, one to 10 scale. Uh, it's exceptional. Okay. So um, like I have a horse that I just leased out um, that is a 10 jumper time and time again. Her knees will always be to her nose. Doesn't matter if she goes long, she goes short. She is always going to be exceptional with her front end and she will always jump a 10. And uh, so it's, you know, just kind of a, a term to market a horse saying it's really talented. It's desirable. Um, and, but you don't see that very often. Mm-mm. You know, you don't see, you know, it just says, you know, this horse has lovely gates, great jumper, things like that. Um, then there's a few terms like you know in a sale ad that i would say maybe you need to read between the lines like can get strong no run the other way <laughs> run the other way um can get strong and then i think you know it's you need to know how to effectively half halt and <laughs> and be okay with a lot of contact and weight in your hands um, not be afraid to go really 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 fast with no steering <laughs> Yes. If you're not comfortable with that concept, scroll to the next horse. Yep. Um, and the the last one, I actually, when I was looking at ads today, there was a couple that said, finish your way. <laughs> <laughs> this is a trigger warning for me. This is a big pet peeve because it's, it, it, it's kind of like, it knows the basics, but I'm done training it. So... Have fun. For for me, for me, this one means okay. We got it started, but I've done so little with it. I haven't the foggiest idea what it might be good at. That's what <laughs> that, that means to true. me. So I'm just like, it's your problem now. It's like that. Yeah, it's your problem now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that's the perfect. It's your problem now. <laughs> that like, was perfect. Oh, oh my gosh. So I just kept reading it. And I was like, no, I want it finished always like not just my way always, always. like you know yes finish um, way. But. oh my gosh that's great well for for folks who want to appropriately stalk you online ask you about horses you have available ask you about helping them find a horse ask you about training their horse etc etc how no can trades. they find you and how um, can they contact you um i am available on Facebook under Selkuth Sport Horses um, or my you, personal page. How do you spell Selkuth? Oh, it's a, it's a complicated one. S-E-L-C-O-U-T-H, just sport horses, like there it sounds. Um, that's got an, we've got a Facebook, we've got an Instagram, Kayla Benny on Facebook. Um, I'm on TikTok as well. Oh, <laughs> um, look at you. I'm, all, I'm just up there with the young folk these days. Um, <laughs> and, uh, the young folks. <laughs> and then selkuthsporthorses.com. There you go. Well, thank you once again for hanging out with us this, uh, this month. And Kayla is here the fourth Thursday of every month to chat about all things buying and selling and breeding horses. If you've got questions about those topics, um, you can either send them to 
Jennifer at Horse Radio Network, and I will make sure that Kayla gets them. Or even better, you can become a Horse Radio Network auditor, and then you can be in the super secret auditor room, and that is where we glean questions from for our shows. If you're not an auditor already, you can learn how to do that by going to Horses in the Morning and looking for the auditor banner. It's usually either in the center or on the right-hand page. You can read the word auditor and you'll find it. (laughs) Well, and it's a really fun page that uh, gets a, a lot of activity, so if you have questions um, that are horse related. It's, it's, I highly recommend it and it's a lot of fun. And then off of that, we have an auditor Snapchat, you know, there's, there's things that, you know, you can feel part of the club. There we go. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. We'll see you next month, Kayla. Thank you. Thank you for being my co-host. And, uh, you remember riding like life doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. So give your horse a pet after every ride. (laughs) 